Porn Free Radio, episode 167. Through the magic of technology, I'm actually recording this episode a couple days before it releases. And when you hear this episode, I'll actually be in Philadelphia on a trip. I'm going to Podcast Movement 2018, which is the, the biggest, the world's biggest podcast conference. And I get to hang for a few days with a whole bunch of podcaster friends. And I'm totally looking uh, forward to it. But I thought today I would share my process for making a porn-free plan for my trip to Philadelphia. And it's something I have to do anyway, so I thought I would do it with you on the show today. All right, so let's get started. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. Way back in episode five of Porn Free Radio four years ago, I did uh, an episode where I talked about creating a porn-free trip plan, basically how to travel and be porn-free. And it's something that I've done for years, and it was actually the impetus for a lot of the recovery planning that I talk about in later shows on Porn-Free Radio, even the porn-free plan uh, or the porn-free plan that that never fails that I've talked about, uh, my porn-free playbook. Uh, They're all based originally on creating travel plans for myself. I used to go on trips uh, for work, and I would always relapse. I'd have struggles. And so um, when I started going on these trips, I'd be like, man, I need to do something more intentional before I go on these trips so I stay porn-free. And I would think through all the situations and try to come up with with tools that I could use to deal with those things. And that became sort of the impetus of a lot of the training I do in, in, uh, I do in coaching and even talking about on this podcast. So on today's show, I'm actually going to use the technique I talk about in episode five of Porn Free Radio, the tee-up technique, to just sketch out my plan for my trip to Philadelphia this week. So I'll do that with you in a second. I have a letter to read, and I also want to do a plug for coaching. And so I'll do that first. If you're looking to build a strong recovery plan this summer and you want want some help, uh, no man can do this alone, go to recoveredman.com slash coaching. That's recoveredman.com slash coaching and work with me one-on-one to get a strong recovery plan in place. Let me be... uh, uh, Yoda to your Luke Skywalker this summer, and let's let's really um, get together and figure out what are the threats in your life, what are the threats in your environment, what are the things that are continually tripping you up, and let's start to figure out a way that we can build a recovery plan to deal uh, with those situations. All right, so go to recoveredman.com slash coaching, fill out my short application, we'll have a quick conversation about uh, whether coaching's right for you and assess what the next step is. Now, one of those steps could be eventually joining Rev Group Coaching. That's my group coaching program. And so if you've been interested in coaching uh, or group coaching, this is the way to start. Go to recoveredman.com slash coaching and fill out that application and I'll reach out to you. Now, I will. I am traveling when this episode releases, so I'll reach out to you next week um, and when I get back. All right. Well, let me read a letter. This comes from Tori. 
who is a partner, uh, a wife of, of a listener, and uh, she writes this. Hey, Matt, love the podcast. Uh, just started listening last month with my hubby, who's been in recovery for a few years now. We've been looking through the show notes for one about withdrawals. Do you have any podcasts about that? If so, which one? If not, maybe you could talk about it in a future episode. We'd love it. He's been porn-free all month, but he's just feeling kind of off and irritable because porn was kind of like an unhealthy but habitual reset button. Also, people who say you're just in it for the money are dumb. You have a great program going, and if you can profit from it, that's amazing. Businesses that help people are the best kinds of businesses. Haters gonna hate, though. (laughs) Anyways, thanks again for the amazing podcast. My husband is more motivated to recover now since listening to your podcast than he has been in the last couple years. Also, these podcasts have been amazing for me as a wife to learn how porn addiction works and gain understanding your great Tori. Well, Tori, thanks so much for that email. And with the question of withdrawals, I don't know if there was a specific show where I talked about the idea of withdrawals. I know uh, in episode 155, I talked about overcoming porn addiction, and I talk about being influenced by Dr. Tom Horvath, and basically thinking about addiction, uh, in this case, as a, an extreme form of a habit. And it's a habit that's formed over time, uh, essentially to cope with things. Uh, we first uh, are, are curious about the activity, uh, then we uh, engage it and start to get some enjoyment out of it, expected enjoyment. We go to it a couple, two or three times, and we start to realize, hey, I get some enjoyment out of this. Three, we start using it as a coping method uh, for the, 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 the negative feelings that we have or the situations. And then four, it becomes kind of a way of life. So that's kind of a, the idea. And I think Horvath would call this an activity addiction. Uh, he wouldn't uh, say it was a chemical addiction. I could be wrong about that. Uh, and I think one thing that's been kind of overstated is the chemical connection to pornography addiction. I, I think there's been a lot of talk about dopamine and reward centers and your brain. And I, I mean, I believe that there is science involved with this uh, dependence on pornography. Uh, but when you talk about someone who's been porn-free for a month or two, I don't know if you're still having physical withdrawals. Like, I don't know if there's some sort of dopamine thing that's not happening or something like that. I could be wrong. But what has been my experience and even seen clients is people who are uh, recovering from an activity addiction, an extreme version of a habit related to an activity, I think are experiencing maybe some of the things that your husband's experiencing, this idea that... um, you know, he's irritable. He feels off. Um, he doesn't have that go-to reset button, whether that's a, a real reset button or sort of a mistaken belief, that idea that somehow porn helps you reset or, you know, f- refocus or, you know, I think that's just been a habit. It's a way to self-soothe. It's a way to try to take care of yourself. 
And so it could be that there's still some needs that your husband was coping with, with porn and porn behaviors that are going unmet. So the question would be not so much, is he going through withdrawal, but is there something he needs to attach to? Is there a new habit that he needs to create to get that connection or to get that need met? And, you know, as Craig Perra says a lot, my buddy, you know, to break a habit, we have to make a habit. So your husband has broken this habit, you know, he's got, what is he at 30 days or something like that? But it's like, what are those new habits that he's putting in um, that will give him the reset that he really needs? Let's say, you know, maybe there's a mistaken belief that uh, porn is a good reset for stress. So what would be a healthy reset for stress? Maybe porn is a good uh, outlet, uh, not a good outlet. Maybe it's an outlet that he used to deal with uh, some anger or to deal with conflict in his life. Well, what would be a healthier way to deal with conflict? Maybe it's a way to deal with boredom. What's a healthier way to deal with boredom? Is there a way to engage uh, the joyful part of him, the happiness part of him? Is there some activities? Is there some connection with you uh, that would start to start to help him with that? So that's, that's really where the work is at in recovery is figuring out what are those healthy habits? What are those areas of connection that you need? And I think you're right. The biggest withdrawal symptoms I think you're going to feel in the early days is irritability, is kind of feeling off um, because it was such a primary coping method. It was the way things were. Uh, you know, when, when Horvath talks about the fourth stage of addiction, it's, it becomes the way of life. It becomes we're dependent on porn as meeting two or three uh, primary, co- being a co- primary coping method, and we just get used to that. So actually doing recovery work is hard. It's like pulling the Band-Aid off. It's like pressing into the pain. Uh, and so that's where some of those extra things come up. And I'm, I've heard of all sorts of things. Um, that have been attributed to withdrawal, uh, insomnia, um, horniness, obsessive thinking. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that I uh, accounted for. I Sadness, I would feel just kind of depressed sometimes and feel the sad feelings. I remember telling my wife early on, I, I think, Tori, you and your husband are pretty connected. If you're sending me an email and you're talking about porn-free radio, I, I was probably on the same type of my wife was similar to you. And uh, I remember just telling her I miss porn. I this, you know, when sadness happened, or tough things would happen, I'd say, man, I miss this would be the time that I try to take care of myself. Uh, You know, it's funny, my wife's out of town right now, as I'm recording this episode. Now I, I told you I'm recording this episode ahead ahead of my trip to Philadelphia, but my wife is actually out of town right now. And, uh, you know, the little loneliness and isolation that I feel just being uh, away from her and my kids for a couple days, this would have been a perfect time for me to look at porn, not because of opportunity, but because I, I feel sort of a little bit of disconnection, uh, a little bit of loneliness, a little bit of sadness, right? That would have been a go-to. Whenever I felt those feelings in the past, it was porn, 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 porn behaviors, so is it withdrawal that, that, you know, they're away right now and I'm feeling sad and, or is it just that I remember 
how when that habit, when that extreme version of a habit was a part of my normal life, that this was my go-to thing. Well, I hope that helps. Maybe I'll do a uh, maybe I'll do a, a topic on withdrawal down the road. But that's kind of my that's kind of my thoughts. Um, if there's more questions that you have, feel free to send me an email at matt at recoverman.com. And Tori, uh, thanks for listening and and uh, you know encourage your husband. And I really, I mean, you are such a great ally to his recovery. The fact that you're getting information. Uh, that it doesn't sound, at least in your email, that you're, you might be not happy with this porn stuff, but you're moving into this uh, as someone who's wanting to partner and uh, help him move through this. And you even see maybe some of the challenges that he's had the last couple of years. So uh, that is a great gift, uh, being an ally to your husband. And not everyone has that. Not everyone has a partner that is supportive. And, you know, Partners react to this in different ways, and you know what? There's no judgment. Uh, if you're a partner who's really angry about this, or it's really hurt you, or you're a partner that's just like totally like whatever, this isn't a big deal to you. Um, it's um, uh, it's great to hear about partners who just care about their husbands, and I think most partners care about their husbands. Um, so. Um, you can be a great ally and help to him in this process. And so you're, you're part of this. So thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of this show. All right, so let's get to my trip planning. As I said, I'm recording this a couple days in advance of my trip to Philadelphia. I'm actually going to leave Tuesday morning. I'm recording this Sunday afternoon. So in episode five of Porn Free Radio, you can go back and listen to it at recoveredman.com slash zero zero five. I talk about a tee up plan. And this was first talked about uh, by a friend of mine named John. And I talk about John every once in a while. He was kind of the Yoda to me in recovery in the early days. And I still have contact with him. We we live in the same neighborhood. Uh, we go to the same church. Uh, we have kids that are a similar age. Uh, he does some mentoring with my son uh, and some other boys uh, my son's age. And and I've been trying to get him to come on the podcast for like four years. And so one of these days I'm going to get him on. Um, but he was the first one that introduced me to this tee-up planning uh, system. Now, the original tee-up planning system I break down in uh, episode five. And TUP stands for, as John taught it, was triggers, unsafe places, and plan. Okay? So when thinking about going on a trip or when thinking about being on a vacation or even a, a challenging period of time like a holiday period like Christmas vacation or something like that, Thanksgiving, what John would do is he'd sit down and he would list out uh, any, he would anticipate any triggers he might have around this trip or this time period. He would list out any, uh, so T was triggers, and then U was unsafe places. This is any place that, or thing that he couldn't go to, just that were completely off limits. And then P was plan. What are some of the commitments or things that he's going to do um, to deal with these situations. So let me just update it a little bit. Now, I don't really use the word triggers anymore. The reason why is because a lot of guys in recovery think of triggers as visual triggers, meaning I'm in the checkout line and there's a girl with cleavage and boom, I see her and 
well, I'm, I'm wound up and I'm thinking about obsessive thinking and thinking about porn, thinking about breasts, thinking about that kind of thing. So a lot of times when you t- say triggers, guy in recovery, that's immediately what you start thinking about. The billboard, uh, the, the bikini, the, the sort of stimulus, a visual stimulus. Now, that is a trigger, but I like to go a little deeper into um, both the emotional type things that come up in life and all situations where we need tools to do healthy recovery. So I got this word from Milton Magnus. I've changed the T to threats. And threats in Milton Magnus, uh, Dr. Milton Magnus's uh, definition are simply situations that need tools. So when you think about going on a trip, you're not just thinking about illicit things like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to be tempted by the... Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be tempted by the advertisement for pornographic movies next to my TV, right? That's, that might be a tr- an illicit sort of visual trigger. Um, but there could be other triggers related to that hotel room, which we now call threats, like, for example, being alone or um, the feeling of no one's watching you or the feeling of anonymity, right? Those, that could be a potential threat. So... Uh, what I'm going to do is break down the threats, unsafe places, and my plan for Philadelphia. So let's start with threats. All right. So when I travel, I, I mentioned this feeling of anonymity. Um, that's one of the biggest ones. When I get to another town, and I haven't been to Philadelphia probably since in 18 years. So this is pretty much a new town for me. I, I haven't. I don't remember being in the airport. I don't know anything about the downtown area. Uh, so when I get there, I'm basically going to be Matt Dopshoot, Chicago guy, in the middle of a city that I've heard about um, and have seen on TV and uh, don't know much about. So the first thing that's going to happen is when I get there, I'm definitely going to feel a little bit of an exhilaration of being in the city where no one knows me. Now, in the past, that's led to that feeling of anonymity, like whatever I do here, there's no consequences. You've, you've heard the old, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So that, that feeling of no consequences, anonymity, that's my first threat that I want to put down. So I'm writing it down right there. Um, no consequences. No one can see me. I'm just writing, it, I'm writing these all down. No one can see me. Um, I'm anonymous, right? So that can, that can be just landing. That can be walking in an airport. You know, when you get in an airport, I've heard guys struggle sometimes just walking uh, past newsstands in the airport because they start feeling like a different person when they're traveling. No one knows them. They're, you know, they're, you're not with your family. You're not with your friends. A lot of guys travel alone, so you walk past the newsstand, no one knows you. It's, there's that sense of anonymity. And just being in the airport, um, you're passing magazine stands where there's pornography. You're seeing lots of different women, potentially, or men that you're attracted to. And um, you know, a lot of times people dress up when they travel, or there's um, flight attendants and other people who catch your eye in airports, a lot of strangers. There's a lot of people, so there's a lot of potential stimulus as you're walking down the airport. Now, that's not really me. I hate airports. I hate being in line. I, I don't particularly feel 
excited by that, but I know guys do. So that's not me, but if that's you, you know, and you're making a plan, uh, start thinking about that airport as a threat. You know, maybe that's where the anonymity or the no consequences starts kicking in. So you start sort of panning and scanning and you're objectifying women in your way or in your path or you're stopping by the newsstand or you're just obsessing over the newsstand, right? So, so okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two for me is I'm going to a conference where I'm um, uh, connecting with people and, uh, but it's a fun conference. There's a lot of fun people there. And, uh, we had a great time last time I went to this conference. I went to it two years ago. And I remember one thing we did is we went to karaoke late at night, me and all these podcasters. And so another threat for me is staying out late. It's not necessarily a pornography threat, but when I stay out late, I get tired, I get fatigued and I potentially make worse decisions. Now, going along with that is drinking too much. I do drink uh, beer and alcohol, and uh, I, you know, I have, uh, I'm a kind of a big guy, and uh, I have uh, a higher tolerance than some, and, uh, you know, when I'm in a good mood and with friends and having fun, and, you know, I it's easy for me uh, to, to maybe drink more than I should, where I start to again, um, my, my decision-making comes into question a little bit. So that's a threat. Uh, what's another threat for me? Um, uh, the hotel room is a threat. So just being in a hotel room kicks in feelings of, um, well, for, frankly, memories. I, I used to act, you know, my last time I lost sobriety seven years ago, seven and a half years ago was in a hotel room. Uh, it was a place that I routinely failed, uh, with my plan. And so just being in a hotel room, even if it's a safe place and I feel connected and I'm using tools, it still can be, it can feel a little like, Oh, is this going to be a time that we, you know, get a little naughty or do something else? So just the hotel room is a threat. All right, so what do we got here? Uh, the anonymity, no consequences, no one can see me, um, staying up late, drinking too much, hotel room. Let's see if there's anything else. Um, well, a common threat that, that I think a lot of guys struggle with, and, and it's, it's something I need to be aware of, is potential for uh, the Internet or um, media TV. So um, that would be, you know, having unaccountable time. I'm not going to bed with my wife. I mean, that's been one of my main habits forever is going to bed with my wife. So now I'm not going to bed with my wife. I'm potentially alone. So I think Internet, media, I might be bored. Um, that could be a threat. All right, so those are the, those are the threats. So let me talk about unsafe places for me. So this is based on experience. Well, I mentioned internet, media, TV. TV is one of the biggest unsafe places. I, TV has led to me acting out and uh, to going down the rabbit hole, staying up later than I should have. It starts to affect these other ones. So TV right there um, is a complete unsafe place for me. 
Um, another one is other people's hotel rooms. Now, <laughs> you might be thinking, are you talking about like, you know, females' hotel rooms or, you know, that type of thing? That's, that's not in my history. I'm not saying that it couldn't have been, but that's not in my history. But what I found when I travel to events like this, when I, tra- when I used to travel with my old company, we used to go to a lot of parties. There were a lot of hanging out and things like that. And over the years, I realized no good comes from hanging out in hotel rooms. It, it just doesn't. Um, I just remember, you know, sitting on a couple beds with friends and there's alcohol, there's other stuff that I don't partake in. It's just, it's just a, a scene that I don't want to be in. So, um, I've stayed out, I've broken some of these other things. I've drank too much. I've stayed out too late, uh, because I've been in this environment. So other people's hotel rooms is an unsafe place for me. I also don't feel safe. Um, when I have traveled with female coworkers or things like that, I do not feel safe visiting them in their room, even if it's a healthy connection and relationship. I just don't like the, I don't like just even the, the hint that there's might be something off. Um, and with me, part of it's protecting myself. As I said, when I travel, I already am feeling sort of anonymous. No one can see me, no consequences. That is a very dangerous feeling to have in a female coworker's hotel room, that feeling. I'm not saying anything's going to happen. I'm not saying any, that I want something to happen, but those are dangerous things to pair together. So other people's hotel rooms definitely off limits for me. Uh, for other guys, there might be things like dangerous places like strip clubs or, um, you know, for me, it um, after hours bars are bad. So, you know, it's one thing if you're in a hotel bar and they close at midnight. It's another thing if you're looking for a bar to go to after the hotel bar closes. I've done that in the past and it's not led to anything good. Um, so... That So any sort of after-hours place. So those are probably the three unsafe places that come to mind. TV, other people's hotel rooms, and after-hours bars or clubs. Clubs. I put that on there. Like, I'm like, yeah, I like to go to clubs, bottle service. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm 48 years old. Or what am I, 48? What, what year is it? 47. I'm 47. Um, I'm not going to late-night clubs, but I have in the past. So, all right, so let's get to the plan part. Now, I just named a whole bunch of threats and then some unsafe places. And here's what you want to do when you get to your plan. So I, I've actually, I'm, I have a piece of paper right now that I divided into three columns. I have a T column, a U column, and a P column. So when I get over to that P column plan, what I want to do is I want to look back over here to some of these big threats and unsafe places and just start creating quick commitments, just jotting things that will help deal with these threats. And, you know, this is something you can do in your recovery. You know, when you're creating a recovery plan, just don't put any habit on the recovery plan, any commitment. Find the commitments that deal with the threats. 
You know, I, I see guys all the time, you know, they have threats in their life that they've identified, emotional threats, uh, unsafe places. They've identified triggers, weak links. So I say, well, what's in your recovery plan? Well, the first thing they say is, well, I'm running three days a week. And I'm like, well, that's good. That might be good for your health and maybe some of your esteem and feeling good about your body. You know, maybe that's a threat. You know, you don't feel good enough. But how does that deal with feeling anonymous or some of these other ideas? You know, how does that deal with, uh, how does that deal with drinking too much or something like that? Like you need to have the commitments in your plan that tie back to the threats and unsafe places. So, so let's get back to my, my plan here. So, all right, first one, uh, anonymous, no consequences, no one sees me. Well, that's easy. What I'm going to do um, first of all, I'm going to share this plan, whatever I create here, I'm going to share this with my wife and one other friend. Uh, just for the sake of this podcast, I will make that friend, guess who? John, my old buddy. So I'll send him, when I write, type this up, I'll send him a copy of it. So right then, that's going to start to say, hey, this trip to Philadelphia is not without consequences. There are consequences if I, if I cross boundaries on this trip. Um, this trip is going to be under the protection of, uh, I'm going to share this plan with, with Janice and John. Okay, so that's number one. That cuts into it. But that's not enough to deal with that. Remember, when I got into the hotel room, when I got into the hotel room in the past, that, that alone was a trigger. So what am I going to do to deal with that? Well, couple things. Uh, I'm going to use texting and phone calls uh, to deal with that threat. So what I'm going to do is when I get to into the hotel room, I'm going to call my wife. Okay. So that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to put the bag down and then I'm going to be calling her. And I'll do that each day I'm there. I will just make a call the moment I get in the hotel room. And if it's uh, if she can talk, we'll talk. If not, I'll leave her a voicemail. So again, I'm basically walking in that hotel room in that space, and I'm saying I'm not anonymous. I'm connected. Okay. What I will do then is I will commit in text to John that I'm going to keep my plan while I'm in the hotel room. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a bookend. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a text and say, hey, John, I'm in my hotel room tonight. Uh, I'm done with going out and all that kind of stuff. And I'm in the hotel room tonight. I'm not going to use devices. I'm not going to turn on my TV. Uh, I'm going to, or I'm not going to use, I'm not going to look at porn. And I'm, when I send this text, I'm going to put my phone in the bathroom and uh, I'll text you in the morning when I wake up and when I'm leaving the hotel room. And basically, the, that follow-up text is going to be an all-clear text. I, wanna, I don't want a, a re- report that I screwed up all night. Um, the, the expectation is I'm sending a text to bookend my night in the hotel room, and then I'm sending a second text, an all-clear text, the next day. So I jumped ahead there. All right, so I'm going to text John and bookend text with John. So what are a couple other things that I'm going to do just to be careful? A um, couple basic ones I do. I put the, the phone in 
the bathroom at night. So I charge the phone in the bathroom and I leave my laptop in my rental car. Now, I don't have a rental car this time. So the laptop will be with me. So what's the commitment that I'm going to do there? I'm going to make the same commitment that I do to TV. So no TV and no computer in my hotel room. If I need to do work, I can go down to the lobby of the hotel. Um, now, interestingly enough, I decided to try something new on this trip. Since hotels trip me up a lot, this is the first trip I'm doing where part of the time I'm there, I'm staying in an Airbnb. And there's a host, uh, it's a condo, and um, I have a private entrance and a room. But I thought it'd be interesting to try to stay in a home and see if that changes my environment enough that where I feel a little more protected. Um, so, and I purposely tried to find some hosts that seem kind of interactive, you know, people who say hi and tell you about the city and, um, you know, seem to care about their space. I thought maybe if there was a little more uh, lack of anonymity and connection that that would help me. So I'm trying that. So I'm trying that two days. So all these things I'm going to be doing at the Airbnb too. No TV, no computer, uh, locking the, or putting, not locking, putting the phone to charge in the, the bathroom. A um, couple things that I do that aren't part of the plan, but I take on my trip is I, I bring a Kindle Paperwhite so I can read at night. I'm also reading a book right now, so I'll bring the book. And then I also have some Bluetooth headphones. So if I want to listen to a podcast, I can press play on my phone charging in the bathroom and go to the bed and be able to control the start and stop of my Bluetooth headphones. So if I really need to just, I'm having trouble sleeping and I want to just listen to something, um, I can do that. So those are a couple of examples. I'll put that in my plan. I'm type, I'm writing that down right now, phone in bathroom, paper white. And Bluetooth headphones in case I have insomnia. And I have insomnia occasionally when I'm traveling. Um, either I, I'm off time-wise, time zone-wise. This is the East Coast that I'm going to, so I might actually be tired. Or not tired. I might be wide awake because I'm an hour behind them. So I'm bringing those sort of those insomnia things. Actually, just thinking about it, insomnia is a threat, so I'll add that over on the, the uh, threat column. All right, so what do we got here? I'm going to share my plan with uh, my wife and with John. I'm going to text. I'm going to call my wife when I get to the hotel room or the Airbnb. Uh, and then I'm going to do a bookend text with John. Uh, no TV, no computer in the hotel room, phone and bathroom. Paper white and Bluetooth are along the ride in case I have an insomnia. So that gets me, that deals with internet, media, TV, insomnia. That deals with the hotel room. Uh, that deals with, conse- uh, you know, no, uh, that anonymous, no consequence thing. So what about staying out late and drinking too much? Okay, so for that one, uh, I'm going to create a curfew. And the curfew is going to be midnight. That might be too late. But since I'm going to be checking in with John and calling my wife, um, if I need to adjust that on the trip, I can talk to either one about that but we're going to set it at midnight right now. So I want to be back in my hotel room at midnight 
and I want to be sending that bookend text and calling my wife um, you know, immediately, and I want to be headed to bed. I don't not want to be headed back into the hotel room or the Airbnb and then just uh, you know staying up and surfing. I want to be headed towards bed. So I want to get in by midnight, and I want to be changed, take a shower, and in bed. Uh, you know, so I want to do this pretty quickly. Uh, I know of guys who have to have an exit strategy in the morning. They're they're prone to sometimes have a threat of masturbating in the morning. So some guys, you know, set an alarm that um, here's a tool you can use. You know, I'm going to give myself uh, seven minutes to get out of the hotel room. So that's you know, I jump in the shower, or I shave, I throw on my clothes, I grab my bag, I grab my snack, and then boom, I'm out of the hotel room. Uh, I don't really need an exit strategy. I, I'm not tempted in the morning as much as at night, um, but that's a that's a tool you can use. Um, but okay, so curfew at midnight will deal with the staying out late. And how about the drinking too much? Uh, for this trip, I'm going to make a three drink minimum. Three drink minimum. <laughs> a Freudian slip. Three drink maximum. Um, on any one night. So that includes if I had a drink at dinner or that includes uh, a happy hour party or something. If I have a drink, that's one. If I have a drink at dinner, that's two. If I have a drink with a friend and meeting up, that's three. That's it. Three alcoholic drinks per day, no more. And um, that's a good one for me anyway. And I know that might seem like a lot for some of you who don't drink, but uh, for me, that's a good, that's a, for a trip like this, uh, where I'm going to be seeing different people, hanging out, going to cool restaurants, um, that's, that works for me, and I'm not going to, not going to do any more. And that's, uh, that's a pretty hard one. I want to, I want to, I need to really be accountable about that, um, because that has been one of the things that's gotten me into trouble in the past. Um, so yeah, uh, the other, th- as I said on the plan, um, when you deal with an unsafe place, the plan is just not engaging with that at all. So I will not be in any other hotel rooms. I will not have the TV on. I will not be going to any after-hours parties, no matter how cool they sound. And I will not be staying out at bars or clubs late. And the midnight curfew deals with that, too. So that's about it for the plan. Now, if you notice, there's I don't have a lot of recovery habits on here. That's what I just noticed. So um, a recovery habit might be reading recovery literature. Uh, it might be doing some journaling, a morning routine. So what's what's one recovery? I mean, I am talking to John or at least doing bookending. So let me think. What would be a good recovery habit? Oh, I know. Um, here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I've, I've, I am going to connect with people when I'm in Philadelphia. This will help with anonymity, but it will also help me stay connected to my recovery. Um, so I'm going to um, connect with people each day, and I've already made some some dinners. I have a dinner on Tuesday plan. I have a lunch on Thursday plan. Wednesday, I'm going to a uh, a party that's kind of a, a thing. And I'm, I'm started making coffee, uh, coffee, little get togethers or, 
uh, lunches with people. I'm starting to make those plans. Now, this is helpful for me, and this this might be you might need to have something more specific for you. Now, because I do porn free radio, a lot of this connection when I connect with peers, I talk about my recovery podcast that I lead and talk about. So there's a piece of that that helps me feel seen and known, um, which is good. Um, but I'm also getting together with a family member while I'm in Philadelphia and, um, um, and making connection is part of the main reason I'm going. I work alone. I can get isolated. So, um, so part of my plan is to connect with people. So let me see if I can come up with something that's like a recovery habit. Uh, how about this? I'm going to connect with three new people each day while I'm at podcast movement. And I'm going to write those down in my Evernote file. I already have some connections with people. I sent a whole bunch of emails out ahead of the conference of friends. So I'm going to meet with my friends, but just to press myself, I'm going to, I'm going to meet three new people each day. That's going to help me feel not anonymous it's going to help me feel connected, and it's going to be good for my recovery because I'm going to probably talk a little bit about my story with each one of those people. So that's what I'm going to do to not be anonymous and to stay porn-free in Philadelphia. So for the show notes to this show, go to recoveredman.com slash 167, recoveredman.com slash 167. And once again, I said this uh, at the top of the show, if you want to if you want to do a process like this with your plan, with your actual recovery plan, where we identify the threats in your life and come up with the active commitments that you need for a solid recovery plan, go to recoveredman.com coaching and fill out my coaching application. And we'll do a process of this to build a life recovery plan for you. All right, guys, take hope, take action. And I'll be back in Chicago next week for a new episode of Porn Free Radio. Be good.